0: Welcome to the Plexus Presidential Podcast Series. We are excited to have Dr. Stephanie Niles, president of Kotze College, as our guest. Good, well, let's jump in.
1: Okay, I'm ready.
0: Excellent, so let's talk about your journey first. Let's talk about the journey to your presidency and let's start with who are your mentors?
1: My mentors are Nancy Gray, who is the President Emerita of Hollins University. I had the opportunity to work for her for four years. And really during that time period, I finished my doctorate where she was very supportive of me transitioning into a new role there at Hollins while still in that program, giving me the time and energy to finish it and then helping me to start to think about presidencies. I didn't transition into a presidency after that, but it was through getting my doctorate, through working closely with her in that senior leadership team environment, um, really getting to touch many aspects of the institution in new and different ways, and seeing a a true leader um, function and thrive in that environment where I started to become really Engaged in and enthused by this potential opportunity for me in the future. Most recently, I spent the last four years working for Rock Jones, who's the current president of Ohio Wesleyan University. He'll be retiring at the end of the 22, 23 academic year after a 15 year presidency there. Very accomplished, I'm such a genuine, authentic, personable individual who um, I also learned so much from and continue to learn from as I have now made this transition. He was very supportive of me in um, pursuing this opportunity, in um, helping me prepare for it, Uh, and and as I have been even in my transition, has continued to be a a resource and a sounding board for me. And I know both of these individuals will serve in those roles for years to come. certainly they make me want to do the same for others. I feel so um, grateful to them that I've benefited so much. And again, know that these are ongoing opportunities for me to continue to learn. Um, I hope that I can do the same thing for those whom I encounter in my career along the way.
0: So as a Vice President of Enrollment Management, your experience in, in recruitment, what are the top two or three, and I'm sure there's many, but what are the top two or three elements that really allow an institution to grow and be sustainable?
1: Sure. Well, you're right. There, there are many. It is, it is the art and science, as they say, in enrollment. That it is, um, you both understanding the data. It is using that data to most effectively develop the strategies and employ the tactics that allow your institution to thrive. Um, no institution is the same as another, and so what works for one isn't necessarily guaranteed to work for another having worked at five institutions as the chief enrollment officer in my career i certainly saw that come to light i was always able to draw on my experiences from the past but recognize that I was within a new environment. And so utilizing data effectively, gathering data on the populations we're looking to serve, the students, the parents, understanding how counselors are interfacing with students, um, um, and and understanding really what works, and knowing that it's an ongoing process. You can never rest on your laurels in, in enrollment that every year is different. The population of students changes, the impacts on them change, the ways in which we communicate with students, the ways they want to be communicated with change. And so I think it's constantly being on your toes, constantly being willing to assess your operation um, and to um, think about ways that you can continue to be relevant, continue to share the messages and how you share those messages with students going forward. I'll say this for the institutions at which I have worked, including Cottey, personalization has always been a real key. And, And I've worked at small residential, liberal arts and sciences institutions. And so that personal touch, the high touch environment, demonstrating to students from the start of the admission process that they are somebody who would find their place at the institution, helping them discover how that might be, acquainting them with the people, programs, the opportunities, who will be part of their experience. In working in enrollment, I always said by the time that students comes to campus, it should be little about their interaction with the admission office and more about the ways that admission can facilitate communications around campus who can, they, sitting in on classes, having lunch with students, um, getting to, to know and experience a, a club or organization that they think they might um, be uh, involved in, um, talking to a coach if they're looking to be involved in a sport or someone in music or theater if they're wanting to pursue those, those types of interests. So I think it's really helping to facilitate those connections and really helping each student to see what their experience will be like.
0: So what are your two or three top initiatives uh, at Cottey College coming in as president?
1: Well, first and foremost, unsurprisingly, perhaps it's it's listening and learning. Uh, you know, I've been asked a number of times already, what's my vision for Cottey? And as I have said, it's not that I don't or won't have a vision. It's not that I am not capable of setting goals for the institution, but I believe it's really important for me to stop, to listen, to learn, to then take a step back and assess that information. If I if am going to help lead this community towards its next five years, 10 years, and beyond, then we need to take stock of where we've been, where we are, before we can decide where we're going. And so I think having conversations, I have a a whole series of meetings. Things are quiet on campus right now in the summer. Um, We are really gearing up here in the next couple of weeks for uh, a summer board meeting, um, a a program on campus we call Seminar that brings a bunch of leaders in PEO International, which owns Cottey, to campus. And then our students come back right after that, um, just preceded by our faculty, who will start coming back to campus. So there's lots of activity ahead and I look forward in that time period to really start to um, uh, observe how the campus works, talk to those folks both new to the campus and returning to their, to their offices and their classrooms and uh, other environments here. Um, to really immerse myself in the community and understand its culture, so that I can very much be a part of, um, part of, and lead that discussion towards where we should go in the future. I'm very excited for that work, um, and I, I think that there's motivation here to do that. Um, you know, we're we're on a we're in an interesting time in higher education, in that there um, the fact that student and family appetite has changed. Um, No longer is it felt that the value of a college degree is as valuable as it once was, that many feel they can get a job and start a career without that, or don't see why they need to invest as they do financially um, to secure that degree going forward. So we have to really consider how to be most relevant. How do we offer students the opportunity to build skills that truly will advantage them in the world in which are living and working going forward. So that's very much what I hope, the conversation I wanna facilitate here. How do we ensure the educational experience that we're delivering is as relevant to students as it can possibly be? How do we ensure it's accessible to students financially and otherwise? Uh, and, and how can we come together as a community to put together a set of priorities and, and move forward towards pursuing those goals?
0: What do you see as far as the value of an education, especially for an all female institution?
1: Yeah, well, I think it's like I said, I think it's really taking stock of what are the skills that are necessary for one to thrive? And of course, in this setting, it's what are the skills particularly necessary for women to thrive in their personal and professional lives? How do we impart to them those skill set? We we know that the world change, is changing rapidly, that jobs in which people are working today didn't even exist five, 10, 15 years ago. We can absolutely say the same thing for the future as our world continues to evolve. So how do we ensure that students have a skill set that's adaptable, flexible, that they're strong communicators, they can work well with others, they can transition into new settings, they can assimilate new and different information and they can be part of change. They can be part of thinking through the challenges that are being faced in our society. And how do we solve those, fix those, resolve situations to make things better for everyone? So that, that's a big question without, um, um, at least at this point for me, absolutely concrete answers. Again, it goes back to wanting to get to know this community, wanting to understand um, what we are providing, what we have provided, um, how have our students and our graduates benefited from the Cadi educational experience, um, what should we retain from all that we have been known for for over 125 years, and where should we go in the future? What's what's the specific role that we can play within the context of higher education? I know that um, CADI has um, had this long history of educating women, has produced leaders, has produced individuals who've gone on to successful lives and careers. And so I'm eager to continue to see how we can um, remain um, very much a thriving institution as we look to our future.
2: Mm
0: -hmm. Um, You know, being an an all-female, all-women's institution, um, you know, you'll have some that may say, well, how do you make sure that it's sustainable Mm -hmm. for the future? Can you talk a little bit about that?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think we are we are in a um, an interesting position here at Codi in that we have our our founder, Virginia Alice Cottie Stockard, asked that very question of herself about 95 years ago when she was in her 90s and was unsure about the future of her institution that she'd poured her life into. She became a member of PEO International. Um, which is a long-standing organization founded at Iowa Wesleyan back in the 1800s and she had become a member of what was then a, a philanthropic and is now a philanthropic organization that supports the education of women. Um, she gifted Cottey to PEO International, which then for 95 years has made us the only educational institution owned by women and specifically for women. So already it has a a, a niche in, in higher education. Um, we have been we exceedingly grateful and remain exceedingly grateful for the the financial and human support of PEO International. Um, last year, 41% of our applicants cited a connection to a current member of PEO that sparked their interest in CADI specifically. And so I think and and those women involved in this organization are, are uh, focused on helping women thrive. Um, They support five scholarships that help women from those entering college, uh, scholarships and loans, I should say, helping women enter college as well as women who are going on to pursue higher degrees um, in education and and they support codi as well so it's a it's a particularly interesting place to be it's an opportunity to really build on this community of over 200,000 women in the U.S. and Canada um, who are are um, already supporting what we do and what we stand for and to Build on the uh, the six to build on the the success, the interest, um, the support of, um, and the the genuine interest in in women's education. Um, some of these women are graduates of CADI or other women's colleges. Others are not, but all see the value in this experience um, through their their ongoing relationship to the campus. So I'm I'm looking forward to continuing to to build on that, um, to continuing to utilize this very supportive group of of individuals um, to help position Codi going forward.
0: Mm-hmm. So you talked about working with community and, and local leaders. You know, when you look at growing and recruiting and building enrollment, um, how important is it to, to build relationships with the community, um, whether it be feeder schools, whether it be businesses, what have you?
1: I think it's very important. I I mentioned to you that I uh, had a reception that the campus um, held for me uh, within my first couple of days here, and and they invited a number of members of the community um, whom I was able to meet and connect with. And I have a list sitting right here on my desk next to me that I am working through to go back and schedule meetings with those individuals um, to get back out and to have more in-depth conversations, part of this listening and learning tour is understanding the role that Cadi holds within the community. Um, How can the community feel very much a part of this campus? Um, I I had a a staff member, for example, say to me, she's got a child who is entering high school, and she said, you know, my, I've talked to several parents who didn't know they could come to CADI and watch a volleyball game or attend a production in the theater. And so I think that we need to continue to um, do a better job of getting the word out there about Cotty, um about how our community can be a part of it. Of course, that also benefits our students, too, by feeling that they are a part of something bigger than the campus, um, but they uh, understand the community in which we sit. I also think there's some real tangible benefits in the form of of internships, of opportunities for our students um, to work in local government, to work in um, business and industry, um, to work in um, uh, journalism, education. And beyond, you know, there's there's um, there's tremendous opportunities even right here in Nevada, and certainly in the greater area in which we are located. Um, there are opportunities to build on, so that our students see those connections that they're um, entering into these organizations that can support their education, uh, and of course, then that's also us contributing talent, perspective, and um, and skill to help our community thrive as a whole.
0: Um, so the market is, it, it's competitive, right? So when you look at Cottey College and how you compete, how do you make sure you compete? How do you make sure you you win students? But you also can balance that with um, a reasonable tuition discount rate and making sure that you're realizing net tuition revenue.
1: Yeah, I think that goes back to what I said about really understanding um, what are, what are our strengths Um, what can we be for those who are seeking this experience? I don't believe that, um, well, I think an institution like this really needs to know who who it is, what it stands for, and what it can offer. And then we need to tell that story and we need to tell it over and over again. I think it really goes back to that that personal touch. and, And that very much would be reflective of the student experience. There are about 350 students on this campus. It's a small place. It is um, going to offer a different experience than one of the larger um, state institutions here in Missouri or beyond. And so we we want students who want this environment, who want to be here, who see the benefits of those small class sizes, the, the connections that they can make with faculty members, the real community that can be built in their suite style residence halls that they're living in, those connections that they can make with PEOs, with women who are in support of education across the US and beyond. Um, and the tangible opportunities that we can offer to our students, particularly because we are small, we are getting to know them individually and help connect them to those to those opportunities. Um, you know those are all the questions, Brad, that I've been asking myself and asking my team here and starting conversations with um, folks across campus is uh, you know what what do we want to stand for? How are we perceived currently? How do we continue to position ourselves within the market, within this ultra competitive market? What's the story that we want to tell to ensure that students are finding here the experience that they anticipate and expect and are promised um, and ensure that we can deliver on what it is that we're offering to them.
0: I think one of the things I love about a smaller institution is that the president can be involved and really get to know Each and every student. Um, Can you talk about the importance of of relationships, you know, and you can talk about relationships, you know, during your professional career, but also, you know, when, um, you know, when you were in college, what does that mean to build a relationship, not just with other students, but boy, be able to meet the present.
1: Well, it's certainly one of the things that attracted me here, knowing that it was a small community. It was a place where I could get to know the members of this community, um, the, the the students who I've so a few of whom I've already had the chance to meet, even just through the interview process. I'm I am eager for these next two weeks to go by, so that our students are coming back to campus, um, are starting to be involved in, I'm hosting my first group of students on uh, August 8th, our RAs are coming to the house for ice cream. Um, during training and um, can't wait and I, I hope to replicate that experience many, many more times, um, having finding those opportunities to interact with students um, to have conversations with them to understand their experience here at CADI, to um, continue to enhance and improve that for them, and for future generations of students. Uh, I've always, as I mentioned, I've always worked for a a small liberal arts college it's though I actually didn't attend one myself. um, I had a wonderful experience at a a large well known state institution, but I have been drawn to and attracted to um, the the relationships that individuals can build on campuses so many of the places that i've worked and I'll, i'll talk to alums who come back to campus. Five years later, 10 years, even 30 years later. And some of the first people they seek out are the faculty members who taught their classes, individuals with whom they've kept in touch over the years, oftentimes individuals who helped start them off on their career paths through their connections or just the conversations that they've had around their goals and aspirations and and how they might chart a course but they come back and, and talk to the individuals who they greeted every day in the dining hall, to the individuals who helped keep the residence halls clean, um, to staff members who were there to answer questions about financial aid, um, to program offer programs and opportunities on campus. So I think there's, there's so um, many ways in which members of a community can have an impact on students. Uh, when I think back on my experience, while I I was an English major, I benefited greatly from the skills I built built in the classroom and the ways that I was taught to think and communicate and reflect on issues and and, uh, challenges. But I also know that I did a lot outside of the classroom and had opportunities to interact with people who shared with me next step possibilities. I did an internship where I had the chance to interact with others in admissions who said you know there's a graduate program you could pursue in higher education management. That conversation on an internship led me to, down the start of, of my path. The people that I met, um, the ways in which they shared opportunities, um, they helped me develop skills, um, they uh, they are, those who influenced my career path. And as I mentioned before, I hope to have the opportunity to do that for students, for staff members, for others, so that their, their paths may not be in higher education, but to help them think through their next steps, their next possibilities, how to take advantage of what's available to them here at CODI so that then they're best prepared for going forward. If I can help direct those pathways, I think that that'll be certainly a part of success.
2: Well, Dr. Niles, um, I was researching your name and you're still on the side of Ohio Wesleyan.
1: No, I <laughs> guess I'll have to let them know. <laughs> <laughs>
2: so very, obviously, uh, you know, th- th- this is a wonderful transition and congrats again. Um, tell us a little bit about the history of this, of Cody College. It's been around for well, over 100 years is, is seen, two world wars, two, you know, it's, it's just depression. Tell us about the legacy and the symbolism that's around this historical college.
1: That's right. So, as I said before, Virginia Alice Cotty Stockard, she eventually married a, a member of the school community, um, but she and a co- her sisters um, felt the need for education for women in this part of the state. And she actually um, had looked at Mount Holyoke and its founding and looked to model uh, her institution after the success of the institution she saw there, after the ways in which that institution was offering educational opportunities for women, but of course tailoring that to the population that could at that time be best served here in southwestern Missouri. And so um, initially the college educated a, a wider array of students, but eventually focused on college age students and particularly in their first two years, actually until a decade ago, we were a two-year institution offering associate degrees to students and preparing them for their next steps going forward. Mm. Um, I actually first became familiar with Cottey when I was at Holland's University and other women's college because we had been recipients of many CADI students over the years, finishing their degree. These successful, interesting young women who were eager to take that next step. But actually, at the time I started in that role, Connie made the decision to offer four-year degrees for, uh, for women. And so for since 2013, we've been offering four-year degree programs. Um, we do offer 15 majors to students at this point in time. And so I think it's an example of how the institution has evolved. I spoke earlier about how I want us to know where we have been, where we are, so we can best assess where we're going, and I think understanding the fact that we've already done that. We have already um, looked at the experience that we've offered and and realigned, um, keeping true to, to our mission of educating women, providing a very strong experience for students. Um, Another piece of that mission has been um, preparing our students to be global citizens, Mm -hmm. and so thinking about that, we have worked hard to give our students uh, an eye into what does it mean to be a global citizen. Mm -hmm. Many of our students come to us having not even having a passport. Um, We're 50% Pell eligible. We attract uh, a relatively needy population of students. And so um, we actually offer all of our sophomores, um, or at least starting in their sophomore year, the chance to travel abroad on an almost fully funded trip. Students only pay their incidental costs. We do that during our spring break. Um, and so we, um, they took students this last year to Paris. We'll be going to Austria, um, partially looking at, um, places and cities that have public transportation systems that make it easy in a short time period for students to access the many resources of a city. Some of that being they take educational modules while they're led by members of, of our community, um, but we also give them time to explore on their own. Again, many of these students have never, never left the country before. Wow. As a result, what we see are students who are, are differently in tune with the world, students who then start to think differently about other study abroad experiences. Once they've had that chance to dip their toe in the water, it's easier to think about a semester abroad, a summer program abroad, even perhaps a year in another country um, because they've, they've had that chance to explore that. So that's been a, um, a significant part of who, who CADI is and how we have um, positioned ourselves to prepare our students for thinking about themselves as global citizens and um, giving them access to other parts of the world so that they can um, start to to see the world as a larger place, see the problems that impact us, not just here in the US, but beyond, and how they can be a part of those solutions.
2: That is fascinating. The fact that they get to go to international residential trip, the bonding that occurs in those trips, and, and seeing the difference in education. I, for one, was at Finland, uh, I saw the education there, and obviously it's a microcosm. Uh, There's, there there always the issue of transferability. So uh, those are some of the questions that we have to ask in education. Now, you know, a hundred years ago, no one would have thought that over 55 to 60% of students in college would be female today. And I'm not, not no one, but I think we've surpassed our expectation. There are obviously people who, thought about that. And and when I look at the numbers from various sources, uh, you know, female students in general, are their retention is higher, their graduation rate is higher. Uh, You know, I I think in job placement, there's still some, you know, ups and downs, especially when it comes to uh, certain metrics. But uh, what do you see as the next chapter of challenges when it comes to parity? In, In certain instances, one could argue that as far as college attainment, female are surpassing you know, the other gender so, or other genders. And, and so what is your thought process as you're preparing the next generation of female leaders and, and, and professionals?
1: I think it's building on, on what we've done. You know, There are fewer women's colleges in this country, certainly. And of course, it goes to your point that there are more opportunities for women across the pantheon of higher education institutions. But I think that a women's college in particular has still in a very important role to play. I, I benefited myself from a high school experience where I was educated in an all-female environment. I felt personally the benefits of, of a real clarity of self, um, a real focus on the development of, of me as an individual, of my set of skills, my ability to contribute in the classroom, um, the sense of, of um, purpose and focus that was that was around me, um, a, real, um, a real support of women and the role that they um, can play and the skills that they can, can develop. Um, and we talk a lot, I think, about women finding their voice uh, here at a place like Cadi. And that I think is very much the case. They're in an environment where they are absolutely encouraged to thrive. They are going to contribute to every discussion. They are going to hold every single leadership role on campus. Um, there are going to be women in leadership roles to whom they can look up to and see um, having been successful in this in the situations that they fill. Um, so I think that there are. Um... I, I think all of that remains relevant going forward in the future. While we've come a long way, as you as you intimated, um, there are still inequities, um, particularly in career and in pay. And so, I think for women to continue to um, develop in such a way that they can be as competitive as as possible, that they can um, contribute that voice and perspective to the many important um, and and critical conversations and problems that. Um, are occurring throughout the world. I think that um, Cadi and other women's colleges are really uniquely well-positioned to be producers of those individuals who can make a difference.
2: Um, I've been teaching, you know, every stage of education from first grade all the way to college, and uh, even with my own kids, uh, I, I could tell you for certainty that the, the, my female students in general, and I'm generalizing, have been vastly more focused <laughs> going to college and including my own daughter, right? Versus, uh, and and I'm so proud of the, the, the strength and the focus and the per- perseverance. So uh, these are amazing times. And, you know, I was talking to a member of Howard University, one of their, you know, former, uh, you know, members and uh, now an alum, and he was talking to me last week about how the HBCUs have, had, have seen a renaissance um, part of, you know, because of some of the social unrest that we've had. But do you ever, uh, is there a consortium where all female colleges, HBCUs and alike get together and discuss, uh, you know, their trajectory and, and their challenge? Are there similarities out there?
1: There are. Actually, I was making travel arrangements today um, to attend the Women's College Coalition meeting that'll take place in D.C., in September. I'm looking forward to it when I was uh, uh, at Hollins University on the enrollment staff, we would meet at conferences and talk about our our shared challenges and opportunities to serve young women specifically and recruit them to our campuses. And so I'm eager to meet with other presidents of women's colleges now, um, share the opportunities that we have to to, um, play a very specific role. The organization I know has also been involved in legislative activity in looking to find the ways in which we can um, ensure ongoing funding and support and recognition of women's colleges and the specific role, important role they play in higher education. And so obviously I'm, I will be new to that organization in this role, but I'm eager to learn more about um, the work that they're doing and, and how I can be an active and vital part of that work. Um, that, that's the, the organization I am most familiar with that brings together um, these particular institutions, and or and into an organization that um, specifically is there to serve their needs.
2: And, and I think a lot of people would agree that um, you know having safe havens and having you know these universities that uh, giving choice to people is important, right? So it, things are, are are very heterogeneous. So someone may prefer to do something, and and so. When I see your institution, I I see two areas. One is your rural institution, right? Mm -hmm. And the other one, your all-female institution. Do you ever think about public policy that created designation perhaps for rural institutions and also all-female institutions? Because we have designation for uh, for other areas as well. Have you ever, is that a discussion that happens amongst your colleagues and co-presidents and leaders?
1: Well, in my three and a half weeks, I am, uh, you know, specifically sitting in this environment. I can't say I have yet been part of those, but that's essentially what I alluded to, looking forward to getting involved in the conversations that are occurring within this particular set of institutions. Now, we're not all rural, of course, we're not all serving um, the same set of students, but I I do think that we are all um, thinking about how to be most accessible to the students in greatest Um, who will benefit most from this educational experience? How do we serve students from rural communities? How do we serve students who are traditionally underrepresented in higher education? Um, And what way can we influence policy that helps to create accessibility for students? I think that that certainly starts on our campuses, but coming together, I believe individuals and institutions are stronger um, as they work collaboratively um, in support of the causes that they stand for.
2: Um, so you're in Nevada, Missouri, and uh, you know when when we look at the demographics there, um, you know the, the the high school graduation rate is high, right? But the the, the percentage of students who have a bachelor degree is actually not that high uh, in, in in that region, mm-hmm. and that's true for a lot of rural areas. There are trends that carry; they're, they're not all the same, but. You know th- th- there's a declining younger population and most rural population. I mean, obviously there's this enrollment cliff uh, that's being used a lot. Um, I know a big percentage of our students are actually out of your rural region, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, is it so what is the impact economic impact, social and cultural impact on the community or, or in other words, This is a triple barrel question, so forgive me. The terrible, terrible interview question, but, (laughs) but, but, you know, where would Nevada be without Cody? I mean, what, what what would happen to that community?
1: Well, first of all, I had to learn right off the bat that it's Nevada.
2: Nevada. Not Nevada. I'm
1: sorry. <laughs> That's okay. <Nevada. laughs> That's okay. And uh, fortunately, I learned that before my interview, so I was able to start off on the right foot. But it is definitely something that you would not expect. Um, so. That goes back to the to the point of the integration of the college into the community, the role that it can play in helping to educate its its citizens. Um, My understanding in the short time that I have been here is that we have not we have attracted individuals from this community. Could we do better? Yes, there are a handful of other um, educational institutions immediately here in this area and then certainly beyond, and I'm looking forward to um, having further discussions about our collective impact. I, again, I think Codi can benefit from the ways in which we can serve women within this community. One of the things that we have not done, we have not um, offered many opportunities that are, are accessible for women returning to college. We are a traditionally functioning institution um, with uh, you know, offering most of our courses within the traditional workday, which leaves those who might be looking to return to college um, not able perhaps to do so. And so one of the things I'd like to explore is whether or not we could expand our mission and are there opportunities for us to serve women in other ways. Um, to to help those who would be looking to return to college, who've stopped out, or who never started right off the bat, who chose another path initially, but then came to discover that pursuing a a four-year degree would be of benefit to them and to their family as they're looking to to reposition themselves um, uh, economically. And so I I think there's just unlimited opportunity as we continue to to get to know this community and and I do think that it is, it is part of our social mission, it is part of our mission as an institution to think about the the, um, greater impact on the common good, how can we uh, not just serve the very specific students who choose to come here but thinking about that impact on the community and then and then throughout higher education you know what's the role that we can play or in what way are we contributing to the 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 greater mission of higher education
2: and i i do want to highlight you know we actually have a ranking system that is based on student success and outcome plexus we launched that in 2017 cuz we thought most of the ranking that was out there was skewed, and it not, did not provide regional direction. So, for example, uh, you know, your college, Cottey College, is ranked number one as the best woman college in Missouri, okay? Best environmental studies, you've, you've been ranked fourth. Uh, top five in social sciences. Uh, you have a biology. You have education school, which with with your doctorate, I'm sure that's something you're passionate about. But in all the business, you have a vast array of programs, and 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 and, and it's really deep. So talk to, talk to our audience about you know the, the the pedagogy and the approach towards education and all of the majors and experiences someone could benefit from, please.
1: Sure. So as I mentioned, you know, it's been about 10 years since we launched bachelor's degree programs. So really thinking that at this part point in our evolution that we were looking to expand our offerings, go beyond the two year experience, think about the four year degree opportunity. And in that we started thinking about what are the particular ways in which we could build on our our strengths and we could um, cultivate new programs uh, in support of students and their interests. Um, we certainly looked at what students were um, seeking when they came to Cadi, what were their interests, what were their aspirations, what were they hoping to, um, to pursue. Um, we frankly at that point, of course, looked to see what, why were they leaving and what were the programs we couldn't offer to them that they were looking elsewhere to find. So It was a, a real assessment and analysis of, um, again, where are our strengths, what are our student needs and desires? And how do we align that to create the best opportunity for, for our students? So I think that's why you see that, that array. You know, the students who come to us have a wide range of interests, they have um, interests that also develop and thrive while they're here because of the courses they're able to take, the exposure we're able to provide to new subjects and opportunities. And so we've been able to um, co- collect an array of majors. Again, it's 15 majors, so it's not an overwhelming number, but mm-hmm. there's a lot of choice within the small um, student population that we uh, that we have here at Cottey. So they 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 do find that um, you know. Be- because we are focused on those areas, we are often to really hone in and and find those students for whom that particular experience is going to be the right fit. Um, and I think we've got tremendous opportunity as we um, move into the future to look at what are. Uh, you know, are we developing new programs? Or are we building on those already in existence and developing new ways to enhance the experience of the students in in those programs?
2: Super. Uh, last but not least, Dr. Niles, where do you see Cottey College ten years from now? But well, how do you how do you see the? And that's nothing. You guys have been around for so long. So ten years <laughs> is, is just like tomorrow. Okay, so. Uh, what, what what do you see for, for Cardi College?
1: Yeah, it's a question that's really exciting to me, and I get um i'm I'm really enthusiastic about working towards, thinking about our future. Um, As I mentioned, I wanna spend the next few months getting to know this community, hearing from the faculty who are immersed with students in the classroom, hearing from the students themselves about the experience they have found here, what's drawn them here, what keeps them here. Um, Our alumni, what they benefited from, the skills that were most relevant to the experiences they're graduating with. Um, the staff who work here, the community in Nevada and beyond that think of CADI and the ways that we can expand those partnerships. So I think the the future is very bright. Um, but but also there's we will be assessing. Where are we going? You know, I think the one thing that's interesting about the future, you know, five years ago, none of us anticipated a pandemic, yeah. and yet, you know, here we hopefully are, right? As fingers crossed, emerging from at least the worst of that, um, having had to make really difficult and challenging decisions as an institution, um, and having to quickly make changes differently than higher ed typically changes, um, to educate our students differently. Um, and to deliver the educational product to them in new ways. So I think we also want to take a step back for a moment and say, what did we learn? What did we do really well in that time period? As um, we see different um, modes of delivery of education, as we see different ways in which people in educational settings work, can we learn from any of that to better the experience of this educational community? And how will that figure into the next 5, 10 years and beyond for CADI? I think that we can... um, count on Cottey to be, a, continue to be a strong force in women's education. I think we can continue to count on Cadi to be um, an institution that will be committed to delivering the highest quality educational experience possible, um, to really understanding what's relevant. Going back to what I said before, what are the skills that we need to impart to our students? What best prepares them for sometimes a future that is unknown? And how do we help them to navigate those pathways?
2: Dr. Niles thank you it's been a pleasure
0: thanks so much thank you so much
2: thank you for joining the Plexus presidential podcast
0: series for more information on the series please visit us at plexus.com forward slash solutions thank you